0: Um, Hi, Lubna, Thanks for joining me today.
1: Hi, how are you?
0: I'm very well. How have you been? Because you're in the uh, UAE, aren't you? So you're sort of midway through the day.
1: I've been good. It's nice and sunny here. A bit too sunny, but all is great
0: now you wanted to come on today I think you contacted me through LinkedIn and you had a good pitch in terms of talking about storytelling and marketing and that's something that it caught my eye really because I was I'm interested in learning more about that it's it's a common topic for people really I've heard heard over the last years got to do more storytelling in your marketing you've got to have some something genuine that you're talking about. Um, Before we get there though, perhaps you can just share with me a little bit more about what you do as a a job and how you help people.
1: So on a day-to-day basis, I'm a consultant and I work with corporates mainly. I help them with reshaping their story. So usually I go into a large corporate and I spend three to six months with them and I do an audit of all their communications and marketing plans and material. Um, I do a new strategy and plan with them. I work with the CEO on their why statement or their purpose, their values, I work on you know really important campaigns that they need to launch, and then I train their team if there is one, and if there isn't, we hire a team and train them, and then I exit after six months. So I do sort of uh, rotations, and I think the best way I can explain it is um, like a corporate super nanny uh, job. <laughs> you know, like when the super nanny comes to your home, if you have kids, do you have kids? Or I do, no? yeah. And you do, so like exactly like a super nanny does. She comes into a home, she spends some time, she observes, she tells you some truth, she gives you tips, and then she exits. So I do kind of the same. Same with corporates.
0: And do you think that's important for someone to do that from an external perspective rather than uh, maybe a, an employee doing that same role?
1: I believe so because I feel that they tend to listen to an external opinion or an expert in mm. more and I think when you are completely impartial like I go in as an independent person completely impartial I have no agenda throughout this yeah. six months period I'm in I, I go in with the attitude that I'm coming in and I'm exiting after six months. It's tiring and it's very hard for both parties because you need a CEO that actually wants to change, that wants to hear the truth, that mm-hmm. wants to make changes. It's also hard for me at times because sometimes I go into a team and I get really attached to the team and I get used to it. And you know, by the time you understand everything and you do everything, like it's time to exit. So it can be hard for both parties, but I think it's really rewarding because I've seen a lot of really good impact. Uh, with some of the clients that I've worked with.
0: So yeah, it seems to work for now. And, and um, I'm just interested in the business model as well. Our, our business model, we focus on marketing and our business model is is building a relationship over the long term. So we work with people on a monthly basis. And to me, the thought of having this sort of one hit at the beginning is great, but then it sort of falls off after that and you've got to go and move on and work with someone else. Is, is that something that, that works really well for you? And actually you've got plenty of uh, business and you can very easily move between customers.
1: So I find the business model works as long as you're open to it working because Mm -hmm. you have to go in with the attitude that I'm coming in, I'm coming in to help you and I'm exiting after. It works really well if you have a good network. So in my case, I was really blessed and lucky because every time I finish a project, I start a new project. I get referrals. All of my business is not coming through or through anything else. It's all referrals. Um, So that has worked really well. Where it doesn't work or it's a bit difficult is when you have a bit of a gap between clients, but I'm kind of okay with that. So I've, I've only had a gap once and it was a short gap yeah I'm I'm kind of okay with that I think you know the biggest difficulty is you know the emotional attachment and you know going in and then exiting, it gets tiring after a while. But the model itself yeah. works because there are a lot of people who actually want the extra help and who want to restructure their teams and who want to have a new story. But sometimes they go to agencies and agencies kind of come in, they meet them a few times and they give them you know, a strategy. And sometimes it's a copy-paste strategy. I think what works for me is the fact that I'm actually embedded in the business, I work with yeah. them in their office. I tend to observe what's happening and what's not work, what's working and what's not working. So I found that that part, the the fact that I'm seconded, I, I embed myself or I second myself to the business, works really, really well. It
0: takes a certain person to be a confident enough, but also bullish to ask the <laughs> right questions. And as you say, tell the truth, I've I've struggled to get to where I am in terms of confidence, you know, just by brute force doing presentations, doing this sort of thing. Have you seen Gordon Ramsay? Have you seen yes. that bit like Super Nanny, but going into um, um restaurant? For me to do that sort of thing and really quite honest and open about how how rubbish they're, they're being. I'm interested, What is there something in your past that's led you to where you are now that has given you that confidence? Can you Do you mind sharing maybe a bit of your backstory and, and how you've got to where you are now, where you're able to do this?
1: So I think the quick answer to that is that I suppose I'm fearless because what's the worst that can happen? They cancel the project, that's fine. I go and I get another project. And I think that's kind of linked to what I said in my TEDx talk. I really believe that in life, pretty much everything is replaceable. Jobs are replaceable, buildings are replaceable, homes are replaceable, clothes are replaceable and not a lot of people understand that notion and i think mm-hmm. that's why i was able to get that tedx speech because i was speaking about something that other people were not speaking about so when you actually have that mindset that you know what this project is can be replaced or this job can be replaced you start becoming more bold in life i suppose but it also takes a ceo who's wise and who wants to bring about change to kind of work with you to make this work and i think you know i'm quite i've learned to be very upfront from the beginning in my all my engagements i always start by saying this is who i am you know i'm not gonna sell you something that is not me this is who i am this is what you're looking for then let's work together you know i need usually like a a company that's able to absorb that and a ceo that's able to absorb that
0: yeah you're right and I, I like the word fearless uh, I think that that works really well
1: there's nobody in life that's fearless by the way like I think everybody has some sort of fear I have fear. like I'm, I'm afraid of death I'm terrified of death it's how you work with that fear kind of makes you do what you do or not do what, what you don't do. Now
0: you mentioned the TEDx talk I, I'm fascinated by this um, and it, it does, I, I've, I've listened to it and it talks through a lot of your, your past and how that sort of brought you to where you where you are I'm interested in why you decided to do a TEDx talk why you felt that was the right thing to do and also just some of the challenges involved around that
1: So uh, I was kind of an offline person for, for the longest time at one point, so I had all the social media accounts but I didn't use them, I used them for auditing purposes, because when I work with clients, I have to go in and audit, you know, what their competitors are doing, etc. And I used to obviously watch certain people who inspire me. And one of these people was Gary Vee, who everybody knows. And in one of his videos, he says, I do all of these videos and talks, and I want to leave them as a trace for my kids so that one day they can refer back to these videos and know exactly what I stand for. As a person, I'm terrified of death, as I told you. And I just it just kind of like hit me on that day. I was like, Oh my God, I don't have any videos out there on YouTube so my kids you know, the older one is quite exposed to me, but the younger one is not. He's only three years old. And I'm like, if God forbid something happens, I want my kids to be able to refer back to these videos and know what I stand for and how I think. And I thought, what could I do to actually do that, make that happen really quickly? I thought that a TEDx talk would be the best option mm. because I wanted my kids to actually come in and listen to me do it while I do it. And so I applied for a TEDx talk and I wanted something that was very genuine. Like my TEDx speech was not overly prepared, to be honest, if I... Could do it again. I would do it very differently. I'd prepare much, much more. But I did it because I just wanted to leave a story behind for my kids, and I wanted to make sure I also dedicate that to my mom. So the minute I finished the TEDx talk, I immediately had somebody film me because they take some time to edit the TEDx talks. Uh, but I had somebody in the audience film me, and the minute I f- I finished that TEDx talk, I made sure I transferred that talk and shared it with my mom because I wanted to make sure that she she sees it. That's what inspired it really. But I also love speaking, and it's something that I haven't. Done done uh, very often and I'm starting to do it much much more and I think mm-hmm. you know the TEDx speech was the starting point and since then I've been speaking very actively in many different conferences I've been moderating I've been training organizations so it's something that uh, that inspires me I just love you know impacting other people's lives through sharing my knowledge.
0: And you find uh, that process of talking or maybe preparing for talks gets easier over time the more that you do?
1: I think so but I think you know I'm not sure I should be saying this or not, but sometimes I feel like you're either gifted at it or not. Of course, you can yeah. train. In my case, it's something that's very genuine. That's, I think, a gift that I love to do. I don't need to overly prepare every time it's I good, do yeah. because it's just something that, I speak about a lot of personal experiences as well without oversharing I'd say and because I do that I'm just very I come across as a very real person you know I'm, I'm not fake I just talk from my heart uh, and I try to give all the knowledge that I have and I think that kind of resonates well with people I try to connect with people as much as possible I think there's a lot of influencers out there and a lot of speakers that are just fake you know like they they make everything sound so polished and, and I'm not like that I'm, I'm very real and I think that helps helps me a lot when I speak because people connect with me.
0: And there's a, I, I've noticed in, uh, you bring up uh, influencers and, and maybe a lot of Instagrammers and YouTubers where they might be coming across as fake or or they have a, a like a stage personality, if you will, that they put on. And I think there's there's been a bit of a backlash against that or, or there's been a trend for people to open up actually what it's really like. Um, I've seen a few on Instagram where they're saying, well, these are the posed photos, but actually we went through so many different photos to get that particular one right or, or some of the struggles they're going through. And it is hard. You know, you're talking about authenticity and, and being genuine in you. Is that really the core principle of storytelling?
1: core principle of storytelling, whether you're storytelling on behalf of a company or whether you're, you know, sharing your own personal story is, is two, two things. You need to be able to inspire and you need to be able to connect. So my best example of that is Apple and Steve Jobs. In both cases, they were able to connect and they were able to inspire. Mm. Now if you want to add a few layers to that, there's obviously a lot of techniques to storytelling But you need to be able to entertain you need to be able to share knowledge so the hooks though like the main two hooks are connect with your audience and inspire them if you can entertain them and share knowledge that's obviously much better but you need to start with these two Um, and the more truthful you are the better chances you have at being successful. Like people just want truth tellers. It's not just about storytelling. It's about truth telling. Everybody's looking for meaning. I mean, if you talk to anybody in life, you'll notice that they're all looking for meaning. And if you can help another person find meaning in their life through storytelling, then I think you're winning. And I think there's a quote that I love, which says, your story is somebody else's survival guide. And that's why I encourage other people to share their stories. And I encourage companies to share what they stand for and their purpose. Because I really want to belong to a world where, where every person is inspiring others through their story. And I want to belong to a world where every company is changing the world because of what they stand for. And I think if that's done right, I think people will be much happier and more fulfilled. And so storytelling is a cheap way to, <laughs> to help people find meaning, I'd say.
0: Are you able to walk me through the process of how your what six, your six-month your six program with, with a company, a founder, CEO, and their team, are you able to walk through some of the elements and the, the process that you go through without obviously giving away some of the inside knowledge you have,
1: so first and foremost, I need to make sure that I'm working with a CEO that uh, that believes in this wholeheartedly and that wants to hear whatever I'm able to say, just exactly like when you recruit a super nanny and you're ready to hear what the super nanny has to tell you. Yeah, uh, so you have to be open, that's the, way, the very I important to be thing super to be with. Nanny in my home one day, and uh, I ended up filming her and I'll be releasing the videos also. Oh, really? 15. Yes, Excellent. yes, absolutely. But it's actually quite cool, like she just sits with you and she observes and she's just hilarious, like she tells you things, and you're like, okay, you're right. <laughs> Like when she came into my home, we were talking. And both me and my husband were talking at the same time. And she just stopped us. She yelled at us. She stopped. And she's like, what are you doing? Like, how do you want the kids to listen to you? If, if you're interrupting each other, stop. <laughs> so it's just very funny. Like, you need somebody who's willing to listen to something like that. Yeah. So I was willing to do that when I hired a super nanny. And I would like a CEO to, to have the same willingness. And then I tried to do a few sessions with him or her. I understand. You know, what's their story? What's their motivation? What's their personal purpose? What are, where is their vision? What are they trying to do in life? And with their company and then i go in and i talk to their leadership team and i try to you know i do a full 360 degree audit i talk to their board members i talk to their investors i talk to their leadership team i talk to their employees uh, i talk to everybody that i can talk to i try to ask based on the vibe that i observe because you kind of get to yeah there's a technique i mean you kind of learn to observe vibes in the office i also have a degree in hr and so that kind of helps me because right yeah i use you know my marketing degree but i also use my HR degree a lot. So, because I observe, I tend not to ask the same question of everyone, but there's only two questions that are consistent among everyone. These are what are your values and what's your why or what's the company's why or purpose. And what I tend to notice when I go into companies like that is that I don't get the same answers to these two Mm. questions. And that's the first red flag, especially on the value side, because I really believe that values are not hobbies. Values are exactly what you do when you hire, fire and promote. You either get that right or you get that wrong. And that's the basis of any culture. It's, uh, it's exactly like raising a kid. You know, when you're raising a kid, the kid does something right. You reward them for that. They do something wrong. There's a consequence for doing something wrong. So it's exactly the same in a company. And the reason why a lot of companies are actually corrupt and there's a lot of politics is because they, they don't do that properly. They don't have clear rewards and consequences for their values. They just have really beautiful looking values and posters mm. and walls. But they don't practice them. And so I look at the values. I look at the purpose of the organization. I look at the why statement of the founder. I look at all their comms materials. I look at all their social media, their engagement, their tone, their, you know, the content. I look at their websites. I look at, you know, their pitch documents. I look at everything I can look at really. And then after I do a 360 degree audit, I put together a new strategy, a new plan, and I make sure that they have the right structure that can accommodate them achieving the strategy and this plan. And that means looking at the team, the team dynamics, you know, the, the skills that the team currently has, because it's really important to make sure that the team is able to achieve the new plan and the new strategy. And if they're not able to. Then we look at you know upskilling, hiring, firing, etc. And then I look at working on usually a one big campaign that shares that new story. With the public externally and internally then yeah they roll with it and I do whatever training I can and then I, I exit and it,
0: there's a couple of things that came up there um, you were talking about a red flag being if you are interviewing different people in, in and around the organization and they give you different answers to those questions like what the values are yeah I can see why that's a red flag because they're all pulling in different directions or they all think the values are this but Actually, they're, they're not understanding why they are there and what, what they're doing. And I think that's probably quite common, isn't it? That a lot of businesses aren't all pulling in the same direction.
1: Yeah, but I think some of the global ones, to be honest, have done a really good job at aligning everyone, you know, like, yeah. I think if you ask the majority, I don't want to say the majority, but if you ask people what's Google's vision or, you know, what's Facebook's vision, you know, connecting the world, I'm assuming that that's still the same vision, but like they made, they did a good job at making sure that their consumers know this tagline, that they're important. Yeah know this tagline that everyone knows this tagline and lives by it as well Uh, google does a phenomenal job at from an hr point of view right netflix does a phenomenal job from an hr point of view on culture they have the culture code so i think there are a lot of things that you can actually do as an organization to get these things right and if you don't get them right you know you could do all the campaigns you want in the world and all the stories you want in the world but if your culture is not breathing these and living them day in day out you're not gonna be successful,
0: right? Yeah, and I think that's that's what's happened in the past, that people will, they'll, they'll have a consultant come in, they'll write a vision statement, and then that goes up on on the walls or on the website. And that's it, that's as far as they go. And it, it's, it really, that's, that's no good, because it's completely uh, separate. You also mentioned something about customers. And I was going to ask you, do you go out to customers and interview them as well and really bring them in as part of the process?
1: That comes as part of the 360 degree audit. Because
0: I, I think that's that's valuable. You you might get some of the people in the organisation all pulling in the same direction, but the customers are the ones who perceive all of all of the brand, all of the, the vision. They, they actually, they receive that as a service or a product. And so they're the ones where you can really see exactly how it's all working and, and where the differentials are.
1: Well, storytelling is about sharing a story with your audience. If you- you don't know your audience there's no story you could say all the stories you want in the world but they won't connect because you you're not talking to your audience and so it's really important to understand your audience to understand most importantly their pain points what's their pain what's their problem and how is your product or your company providing a solution to that pain if your company mm. is not providing a solution to the pain then you're not going to last long
0: yeah it's part of the marketing we don't I, I don't touch on all of the aspects that you look at but Pain is one of those core things that I want people to understand because you're you're right. If they don't understand that and they're not connecting the right audience with the right pain and, and how they can then fulfill that and make and take that pain away, it's not going to work, is it? Do you have any any sort of tips, quick bits of advice that maybe even smaller companies can use or start up when they're developing in the initial stages to help them along the right path?
1: I really think that there's so many. We live in a lucky age, I say, because there's so much out there. Like they can find so much information online, podcasts, or or through just just being online, this is not rocket science. It's really very simply about looking at your audience, trying to connect with them in a very authentic and genuine way. It's also about being unique and different and fearless because those that are kind of doing the same thing as everybody else are not getting any attention these days because we're, Mm. as consumers, we're over bombarded with so many things. Mm. And so the ones that are being unique and different and real and fearless and truth-tellers are the ones I find that are winning. I also think it's important to have the right champion carry your message your employees are your champions so many companies are not utilizing their employees you know like if you go on linkedin on any average day um and i'm new to linkedin right i only started this whole thing in february and i observe like all the content that's out there and who's putting it you find so many coaches consultants you know suppliers putting out content but employees are sitting there consuming that content but they're not they're not doing content themselves yeah and companies are missing out on that because they can actually have their own employees be their ambassadors and if they only cared enough about employees success and cared enough about promoting their employees brands i think they would get so much out of their employees you know i see so many restrictions in companies like you know you can say this and you can say that and it's like you know what i i understand i'm employed by you and i respect that but i'm my own voice and i want to make my own impact in the world as long as i'm not breaching your key messages i'm not breaching your key guidelines. So I just think they should use their champions more. These are their employees, these are their suppliers, these are their customers. And I think it's also about using the right influencers as well. And I think, you know, I really believe that marketing is no longer about a company pushing out a message to its customers or to its audience. It's about the audience talking together, talking about that company. It's all about user generated content, right? So I really think that companies should work towards less towards pushing down a message on their audience or their consumers and more towards creating user generated content. Um, They should really, if I if I had to summarize it in one sentence, I'd say brands need to lead conversations. So so that's what I hope brands can get to yeah i was
0: going to say actually some of the best campaigns i've seen are where a, a brand or an individual isn't just making a statement they're sort of seeding ideas out there right and the people who follow them are running with it and then they're encouraging that i think that's the best thing that okay you're not totally in control of it and you've got to realize that you won't be in control of that message but you can sort of push it in the right direction you can nudge it you can encourage it and that's where you're going to get the most from it and it's it's going to be genuine rather than this just advertisement or these pushed messages just going out there from from you know going through the brand channels.
1: I really believe in creating movements and I think when you do that and it's very genuine and it's actually a movement that is supporting a cause that your audience relates to or the majority relate to then I think you have a good chance at being successful so if you look at Simon Sinek for example yeah, yeah or Gary Vee, it's not too much, you know, Simon Sinek pushing his message out. I mean, he did it at the beginning through his TEDx talk, and then he keeps doing that every once in a while. Today, it's a lot of people saying, Simon Sinek said that, you know? It's all user-generated content. That's because he created a movement, and people joined his movement. And so I really would encourage a lot of companies to actually do the same, provided that they are very, very genuine about that movement. Then they're not doing it just for the sake of marketing and selling we live yeah. in a new age now people can see through things
0: yeah it's very easy to fact check things i mean that doesn't always work certainly for some of the things that have been happening in this world but but yes it's people can see through things i actually spoke with a lovely woman called alex Galvez uh, a couple of months back and she she along with another woman started this movement called linkedin local which i believe now linkedin local has taken taken on board and taken the sort of brand ownership of it and are developing it but that was part in part done through sort of building this genuine movement over time yeah. little bit by little bit pushing it forward uh, and developing it i think that's the way to do it you, co- you just can't rush into these things it's as you say it has to be genuine and you have to build up that momentum i'll, I'll move on to a sponsor then i'm just going to touch on a few um other um, things that we have put out recently that might be interesting this episode is sponsored by 34sp.com they offer fast secure and managed wordpress hosting for the low price of 9.95 a month Now, we've moved most of our clients over to 34SP now, and I've made uh, full use of their migration service because it can be a real pain to move over a site. You've got to move the database, the backup and copy of the files, which can be quite big, um, and noodle around with various different settings until you get everything right. Well, all I need to do is provide 34SP support with administrator access to the WordPress site, and they take care of the rest. And uh, often in uh, a couple of days' time, or maybe even the next day, they come up with a special preview link and I just need to check the website, make the DNS changes and it's, got, it's online. It really is that easy. So my thanks to Kaylee, Alex and the rest of the support team. You've, you must have saved me days of work. 34SP also offer incredibly fast server and page caching, a free SSL certificate with Let's Encrypt, daily backup and a managed core and plugin updates so your site is secure a staging area so you can spin up a copy of the site. Uh, and this is really good for testing plugins and just making any tweaks and changes while not on the live site. There's no restrictions on bandwidth and a simple control panel that I wish other hosts would copy. And finally, great UK-based support, even on the weekend. So visit 34sp.com and upgrade your WordPress hosting. And When you do, use the code WPInventive at checkout. That's Inventive, all one word, to get your first three months completely free i'll just move on to a podcast interview i did a month or so back with a lovely chap called ben everard and it's all about the art of problem solving now i'm bringing it back up again because i've had um, lots of feedback when i've gone out to workshops and networking events, people saying they've seen this one. So I thought I'd just make sure everyone else has uh, had a look at it. Uh, ben is actually a really good talker uh, or speaker. I heard him at Bristol WordCamp and there's lots of good advice in there, particularly if you want to know what Rubber Duck Programming is because it's gonna explain it in this episode. And just finally, actually, Lubna, you might be interested in this. I I was listening to a podcast uh, or the Vergecast podcast. Normally they talk about technology, the new iPhone and all that sort of stuff, but actually they had an interview with a sister podcast which is all about changes in the music industry and and how streaming is affecting that. Because really we went from albums, CDs and and vinyl through to iTunes, making singles more accessible. And now, now streaming has really changed the way not only things are distributed, also how music is made. One interesting thing I learned on there is that music is being transformed so the chorus is often being brought forward into the beginning of the tune because Spotify uh, will only pay if people listen to the first 30 seconds of a song. So they're actually changing the whole dynamic. I mean music hasn't changed for many many tens of years Uh, And now it's really starting to change quite dramatically because of this, um, the algorithms in part of it. And so, yeah, it's worth listening to from that. But actually, um, I'm going to just play an extract on this that features an interview with Charlie Xex, And I won't pretend I listened to her, but she's responding to a label, uh, her record label, talking about this new marketing strategy called the Waterfall Strategy. And it's all about how they release a, a song. Tune, they put it out there and then they sort of nudge it along. They encourage that um, social sharing and feedback and then they'll release another one and another one. And they're basically building momentum over a period of time rather than waiting and then dropping one album at once, um, how they used to with the lots of diversity. And she's responding basically saying, Well, that's how I want to do it. You know, I produce some music and then I want to release that music and interact with my audience about it. And then I'll produce some more music. And so she's already genuinely doing that, but they're, they're looking at as fun marketing. Anyway, it's definitely worth listening. It's a good insight into how music industry is now and you can take some advice on marketing as well so i have really enjoyed talking to you lubna i think it's thank you i think storytelling for me is, is 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 not a buzzword it's just something we we need to do and we need to find what our story is by maybe working with someone like you or maybe even talking to friends and family and getting that sort of third party who, who hopefully is honest is going to prod you in the right way and then implementing that in a way that uh, is comfortable for you and maybe sort of is it you're able to push push that out there a bit more where can we find out more about you online
1: best place to find me would be on linkedin because that's the place where i'm most active otherwise you can visit any of my personal website or my company website and my emails are there and my phone numbers are there okay and i'll
0: make sure all the links are in the show notes if you want to find me i'm at ben canard on twitter or you can uh, as i mentioned before you can contact hello at ratherinventive.com uh you can find the show notes for this episode there are a ratherinventive.com slash podcast and while you're there you can subscribe to our youtube feed or if you're audio only you've got itunes stitcher spotify and you can support the podcast if you if you found it useful do share it with someone else or you can leave a rating on itunes check out our sponsor really uh, the inventive marketing club thank you so much great to talk to you Lubna, and hopefully catch you again uh, uh,
1: another time thank you so so much <laughs>